Hello and welcome to our very last bonus episode of my book, Soul Care, Nurturing Your Spiritual Wellness. You may have missed the $155,000 challenge grant that took place in May, but no worries, you can still go to timeofgrace.org store and order a copy of this book if you'd like. Otherwise, don't forget to share it with a friend, share um, these episodes, and um, just prayerfully, God is really working through this book to enrich your life, build you up, encourage you, convict you maybe, so we can all have a closer walk with Jesus. And now for the conclusion. And as I finished this book, I just so happened to be listening to a sermon by Alistair Begg called Lost in Niceness. It was based on the account of the rich young man as found in Mark 10, verses 17 to 31. By all worldly accounts, this young man was an ideal candidate, not only as a Christian, but to be a leader of the church. He had money, status, and was morally good, but he couldn't part with his wealth to follow Jesus. Begg said, any substitute God, whether it be wealth, materialism, relationships, whatever it might be, nothing, says Jesus, is allowed to come in between his follower and his kingly rule. This might be as shocking to us as it was to the rich young man, because one of the greatest struggles we're facing is our relentless obsession with us. Does our comfort get in the way of following Jesus? Absolutely. Have you or I looked the other way instead of climbing in the trenches of other people's messy lives? I have. Does our pursuit of more interfere with our relentless pursuit of God? Yep. I'm 100% for the idea of taking care of our bodies. I struggle, but on my good days, nutrition is important, and so are rest and healthy boundaries. These things often come up in conversation and are on most of our radars. Soul care, on the other hand, so easily gets pushed aside. The rich young man walked away from Jesus because Jesus didn't offer what he wanted. He was more than willing to give his life to Jesus as long as it didn't mean giving up his comfort and his lifestyle. We love lists that we can check off. Watch the video. Check. Take a walk. Check. Breathe deeply. Check. Call a friend. Check. But a relationship with God is more than a to-do list. It's a lifestyle. It's seeking Him in His Word, not as a chore, but as a matter of watching intensely as He pulls back the curtain to give us a glimpse of Him. And while I love the idea of scheduling prayer time, in truth, I'm not so good at it. I'm better at having an ongoing conversation with God. As I remember things that are bigger than me, I pray, no matter where I am or what I am doing. And when I put down my phone and dive into books about God, like the one I'm reading right now on prayer and spiritual warfare by Charles Spurgeon, I'm in awe of all I've missed and failed to comprehend. Those who give their lives to study God's word know the Bible is many layers deep and a lifetime is too short to fully understand. My soul needs to be fed the pure spiritual milk Peter talked about, 1 Peter 2, verse 2. It needs rest it can only find in its creator. It needs exercise to make it strong to endure the trials and weariness of life. 
and needs the encouragement and fellowship of like-minded Christians to keep me from swerving off course or derailing altogether. Soul care is worth our time and energy. The small investments we make, reading the Bible and listening to sermons and podcasts, reading books and commentaries, praying and worshiping alone and collectively, start changing us. Suddenly, almost without realizing it, we become passionately in love with God. Mundane things matter less. Getting our way isn't the object anymore. And we become bold. The last day I worked before taking three weeks off to focus on ministry, I helped a resident in the nursing home to the bathroom. His body was filling with fluid. His heart didn't function well anymore, and he'd be meeting with hospice soon. I wheeled him in front of the toilet and told him to rest a minute before standing because even the simplest movements stole his breath. He admitted he didn't think he had long. Do you know Jesus? I asked. I was confirmed, he answered. I was so glad, only because it meant I didn't have to start at the beginning. Parents, the time you invest in taking your children to church and teaching them the things of God is never a waste. In the next few minutes, I explained to this man that Jesus was the answer, that when we put our faith in Jesus, he forgives our sins and welcomes us into heaven. When you can't breathe, I told him, remember Jesus. Pray to Jesus. Before I left work that day, I took a paper towel from the bathroom and wrote, Remember Jesus! exclamation point on it and put it on the table next to his bed. He died soon after our conversation, even before meeting with hospice. I don't know if he's in heaven, but my time at the nursing home has taught me I can't wait. Too often, I don't get a second chance. And I can assure you that there isn't a single thing I can think of, not a two-week trip to Europe or bonbons delivered to my house every day or a million dollars now and someone to clean and cook for me for life that will come close to the elation I will feel when I get to heaven if that man is there. Jesus asked, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Mark 8, verses 36 to 37. Nothing comes even remotely close to the care of your soul. The body dies and all our efforts at taking care of it expire. But the soul lives on for eternity. I want to see you in heaven. And I'm guessing you have a list of people you want in heaven too. The kingdom of God is in desperate need of spiritual warriors who battle in prayer and are bold with truth. Those who see Satan and his lies for what they are. I don't believe in coincidence. If you've read this far, you know a lot is at stake. Put on your armor, Ephesians chapter 6, and meet me on the battlefield.